Welcome to this International Journal of Stroke podcast. Argentina is the eighth largest country in the world and has a severe burden of stroke. Due to meagre salaries, most public hospitals have no full-time senior staff. Therefore, Argentina has no academic medicine as understood in the developed world, since physicians spend a significant part of their day in private practice to earn their income. The International Journal of Stroke spoke to Professor Conrado Estol, a neurologist and strokeologist practicing in Argentina. Professor Estol, can you paint an image of stroke in an Argentine hospital? Well, many, many hospitals have imaging um, in the sense of Doppler, MRI, CT, uh, even catheter angiography. Um, but, but if we define a stroke unit as a team of people uh, with know-how um, to, to diagnose and treat stroke, then there are some limitations since uh, there, there are almost or none uh, formal programs to train stroke neurologists. So people just, they, they, they are interested in stroke neurology and, and that's the way they become experts by treating at their hospitals patients with stroke. That's why you need to define, uh, if, if you use standards in, uh, used in developed countries uh, for a stroke unit, we have something close to it with a, not a formal definition or a formal a group of people uh, fully dedicated to that. So can you explain why you believe there are a few nurses or paramedic staff working in Argentine hospitals? There, there are few because uh, on the ratio, again, I'm always comparing uh, to developed nations and uh, using that as a standard. The, the reason is uh, access to universities uh, in Argentina is essentially open open in the sense that there is uh, no charge. Uh, they are free, the, the national universities are free. Examinations or some kind of uh, evaluation to uh, get into the uh, university or school of medicine um, are very uh, lax. So almost anyone that wants to study medicine could do it. So when you have to choose uh, between perhaps uh, being uh, having a paramedic uh, title, uh, nursing title, and a physician's title, um, many people uh, decide to be a medical doctor. And there is, a, I, I would say, the main reason why uh, very few people go into other uh, related fields. And then you have, of course, uh, salary issues, which uh, are quite low for, for paramedical positions and uh, somewhat better for a physician. Why has free healthcare been problematic in Argentina, and how does that reflect on your thoughts for the new healthcare system under discussion in the U.S. devised by U.S. President Barack Obama? Well, as said in English, there's no free lunch. So free healthcare, actually somebody's paying for it through taxes or other means. The reason to call it free or the reason, the actual, the reason that you can actually go into any hospital, even if you have uh, no insurance, and you will be treated here in the country... Uh, there's always uh, there's also some political interest in saying, okay, we provide free access to healthcare, but but the truth translates when there is no payment whatsoever for those people being cared for at hospitals at, at state hospitals, government hospitals, you will have some services that are inadequate because the country doesn't have resources to pay and keep those places at a minimum standard. Even people from neighboring countries that have uh, more difficult situations than the people in Argentina, they come to hospitals in Buenos Aires 
to be treated because they are free. So there you have another population uh, from other countries that are coming to be treated, and uh, the result is that you uh, see people at dawn uh, waiting or making lines to get uh, an appointment, which they will actually get two, three months later, and shortage of whatever you need uh, for, for surgeries, uh, as I said, personnel, and then comes the unions, there are strikes, uh, so all that actually limits quite significantly the quality provided at these uh, state hospitals where supposedly, quote, free, free treatment is given. And I'm trying to just highlight uh, the fact that, yeah, treatment is free and it's offered to anyone getting into those hospitals, but the, the type of service you will get will be uh, substandard. What, in your opinion, are other reasons for this substandard health care for cerebrovascular disease in Argentina, despite the government spending U.S. $1.3 billion in 2005 on health care? Well, in the States, uh, more than $2 trillion were spent in 2007. What they want to do now is something that applies to us as well, which is uh, one, one of the things in Obama's plan is to find money that is wasted in medical services uh, he even mentioned in his own words, fraud, uh, corruption, and I guess uh, that's uh, universal. So there is a lot of money that is uh, going to the wrong places. And even though Argentina, when you take private expense in health and you make a, a worldwide ranking, Argentina is in the top 10 of spending. So, so you would naturally think, well, if they spend so much, services have to be good. But the problem is, again, a lot of money is being spent and not everything is going to the right place uh, for many different reasons, for many different reasons. And if uh, President Obama thinks that by saving that money, you can provide services to the 40 million that they have in the U.S. without coverage, the same would apply to a country like Argentina. If you could save money that is going uh, to the wrong places, you could provide a better service for many, many people. To take an example in stroke, carotid revascularization, for example, in asymptomatic patients, for many, many reasons beyond uh, this conversation, is being done in patients that don't need it, actually. And there you have not only a large expense of money, but also the risk that many people will end up uh, with a sequela from a hemiplegia or some kind of sequela, or even dead uh, when the surgery is done and they have a complication. So there are many, many ways to save and to use resources, to allocate resources adequately, and that's not completely being done at the moment. So what efforts are being made to standardize stroke therapy and address this, and do these efforts translate to university studies? Local societies um, have groups for uh, stroke neurologists, stroke physicians, those in the field of intensive care, neurologists, some cardiologists interested in stroke, and they uh, hold meetings, guidelines are, are, are studied and, and written. However, uh, I think it's always, we always come down to the issue of institutions versus men. Uh, in countries, and that's a typical thing from developed countries, in countries where institutions are strong and are good, they go beyond the individuals, and whatever is done in those institutions will be applied or will be easy to apply. Uh, in, de in, in developing regions, it is more men, men making decisions 
and that makes it more personal and sometimes there's no uh, uh there's more limited meritocracy uh when decisions are being made or when groups are being made to make decisions so standardization for example through guidelines sometimes those efforts are made and they don't reach uh the stage of implementation because when the set of people's change the new ones will change what has been done and there's no translation of the efforts um uh, through generations as you mentioned in your article stroke guidelines would be an excellent way to standardize how would a global set of stroke guidelines be devised how would they meet the needs of both developed and the developing world well uh, risk factors this has been published extensively in epidemiological articles and risk factors for stroke are essentially the same throughout the world so uh mechanisms of stroke are also the same and i'm referring to embolic uh, and hemodynamic uh with the exceptions that we all know where there are people uh according to ethnicity that will have more intracranial disease or versus others with more extracranial disease but mechanisms and etiologies are the same throughout the world so with the exception of slight differences most treatments uh diagnosis uh, for stroke will be the same for every country so guidelines could have the the uh, t- could take in consideration economic issues and therefore if you recommend for example doing diffusion perfusion mris for patients for decisions on acute treatment with thrombolytics uh, you may in that guideline say if if you don't have diffusion perfusion then an alternative is such and such and the point is that even in developed countries Uh, some uh, cities or some hospitals some clinics will not have diffusion perfusion uh, that will be available more uh, commonly in university hospitals so so these guidelines which will have alternatives according to what your resources are at the place you work will be helpful not only for developing regions that will rarely have for example diffusion perfusion but also for some clinics or medical centers in developed regions that don't have all the technology and may have the know-how so guidelines don't need to be uh, exclusive for one country and i think that's one of the things that is uh, slowing implementation of, on what is known about stroke throughout the world one set of guidelines with some points to adequate them to different resource capacities in different regions could help everyone speak the same language and probably it would be easy to implement them when people from different countries speak uh, about the same diagnostic and therapeutic uh, methods international journals including us at international journal of stroke stroke lancet neurology receive and publish very few manuscripts in south america why is so little literature coming out of this continent and other developing nations well it's a problem of uh, communication i would say communication in the sense that for people in developed regions for those people that are the ones publishing the articles um they are not aware of the situation in developing regions they don't realize how much of an effort takes to write a manuscript even the simplest manuscript for the journals you are mentioning which have very strict publishing criteria as they should and we for, of course we fully agree that criteria for for publication should be very strict 
in what we do, which is uh, science and, and publication in science. So these are team efforts, and you could imagine, just to do or mention an analogy, if you had to play soccer, and instead of the 11 players, you had seven, and of the seven, none was a goalkeeper, and of the ones that had to score the goals, the ones that play in the front, they were not good kicking the ball, then there's no chance you could play against anyone. And this is the same thing uh, in science. When, when physicians uh, in developing regions actually uh, in their list of priorities just making barely an income uh, for their living in a private practice, that's their number one priority because there is no support such as grants uh, from institutions, from health institutions, salaries when they are in private, because one says private practice in a developed country, and that equals to a large income. Here, in many and most developing regions, uh, private practice just equals very low payments, actually, uh, per patient. And to give you an example, one typical consult for an HMO in Argentina is paid about no more than 5 to $10 per patient. So you can imagine how many patients you have to see per day or per month to make your income, and then comes the issue of how many people will have the time over the week and how many people will be trained and have the experience to be able to write, design a, a protocol, carry it, and uh, write it after that to be published in a high-quality uh, 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 journal. So that's the reason why you see so little or so few manuscripts uh, sent for submit, submitted to international journals for consideration for publication. Professor Estol, do you have any ideas yourself of how international journals can continue to support developing countries by publishing articles and giving those developing countries a voice without corrupting their science from these less academic countries in some cases? Uh, the, the, it, it, it's a very tough question because uh, developing countries, of course, have uh, capable people uh, people who have trained abroad, people who have not trained uh, uh, in developed regions but have made a huge effort and have the capacity themselves um, to have achieved a, a good level of knowledge. Um, but the thing is to identify those people. And, um, and again, definitely there are such people in, in every developing region or country of the world, and they could be the ones that could lead the effort and get others with similar capabilities together and be able to, uh, to, to publish things for journals. Uh, yes, invitation could be a, a good way to recognize the effort of those people and to allow uh, the voice of those countries to be heard in international journals. And I think that's a very important thing that, that should happen. Going back now directly into Argentina and a topic I know you're very interested in, why is there poor detection and control of hypertensive patients in Argentina? The question could, be, could also be why is there poor detection and control of hypertension or hypertensive patients all over the world? Because actually when, when you look at data, most people that are hypertensive are not being diagnosed and most people that are hypertensive and diagnosed and receive treatment 80% of them, close to 80% of them, are not well controlled. And that happens in, in reviews from North America, from Germany, Japan. So there are papers from everywhere showing that hypertension is poorly controlled. So there you touched a very sensitive issue because hypertension 
which I would say is probably the most important risk factor for vascular disease. It's something easy to diagnose, easy to treat. It responds to treatment most of the times easily, and yet is very, very, as you said in the question, poorly detected and controlled all over the world. The reason, I guess, uh, um, physicians uh, in, in most specialties, not just the cardiologist, should be concerned about it. And, uh, and there are issues also, as you probably know, on how blood pressure is measured and how reliably it is measured. Mechanisms of measurement should be changed. And people have been talking so long and so much about hypertension that I guess the importance is diluted by that, in fact. And people are more concerned about osteoporosis sometimes. That's classic for women. And they are more concerned about whether they had the densitometry of the bones done than whether they have a high blood pressure. So it's also a matter of culture that has to be changed to recognize the importance of hypertension. That would also mean that prevention, improving prevention, diagnosis and treatment in Argentina is also a global issue. It is a global issue. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We are, we're discussing stroke. That's number uh, two cause of death in the world, number one cause of uh, handicap, number one or two cause of uh, loss of memory. So it's a worldwide problem. Of course, there will be issues pertinent to specific countries. And of course, countries that have economic difficulties, they will have a, a more trouble handling some issues on this problem. But the problem is a worldwide problem. And we, we treat sometimes medical societies or international medical organizations, they treat these issues as if we were talking about the constitution of a country. There I understand. You don't uh, uh, go into a country and try to influence their constitution or try to change it. That's a personal, private thing of the country. But talking uh, regarding diseases, we should be much more global. And if we are more global, I think we will be more effective in controlling uh, diseases, especially with diseases with the burden and the impact of stroke. That leads well into my next question, which is how can international stroke societies support developing countries? Well, something we, we said something before, which is, I think, number one, recognizing there is no critical mass of people with a know-how, but, but to recognize those few that because of training overseas or for whatever reason have demonstrated capacity and achievements and especially commitment for a specialty, in this case stroke. Unfortunately, there are politics in every field of life, including medicine. So uh, it is fine to have a, a social part in international meetings, but again, the people that have, uh, have achieved uh, things by working in this field, they have to recognize somehow. You will notice, and you can review this, it's, it's a fact that there is never someone from a developed region as a keynote speaker in an international conference. Uh, there will only be exceptionally speakers at, at, at secondary conferences, and much less you will find people from developing regions in key executive positions in international societies. So then there is no opportunity for the, for the problems from developing regions to be heard. And uh, then the international developed community is not listening because nobody, nobody's speaking. So there's a vicious circle, which is, which is quite clear. But uh, um, I think uh, part of the solution could be identifying the people that could transmit the message from the developing regions and then back into the developing regions with their contacts in the international societies. Uh, that, that would be a way, a practical way to initiate a, a virtuous circle in which
which uh, developing regions will have uh, uh, their message heard at the international levels and then participate, really participate, of uh, uh, international activities. You've been listening to a podcast with the International Journal of Stroke interviewing Professor Conrado Estol on the burden of stroke in Argentina. For more information on this article, please turn to the January edition of International Journal of Stroke 2010. The International Journal of Stroke is a flagship publication for the World Stroke Organization. Please consider becoming a member. Go to www.world-stroke.org.